app, pull out your phone uh, this morning. We're going to have some fun. Uh, go with me to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. Uh, that's where we're going to spend most of our day today, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, go ahead and turn your attention real quick to the screen for a little video. Yo, Joe! Special Mission Force. Its purpose? To defend human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. He never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe All right, if you're under the age of 25, you're like, what the heck just happened? You're like, where am I? What is, what is going on uh, right now? Now, if you are a male and probably over the age of 30, you're like, wow, that's amazing right there. That right there. I mean, when I hear that song, like, joy, like, fills my soul, I promise you. I'm just like, I'm a seven-year-old boy. Where's the tanks? Where's the guys? We're going to take down Cobra right now. But really, I liked Cobra. Did anybody else like Cobra? You're like, Cobra was just stinking cool. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. I, I see you. Now, listen. We can debate about the greatest toys of all time. Any of you grew up with just amazing toys? Raise your hand. You're like, I had amazing, incredible toys. Okay. I mean, some people think Barbie is like the greatest toy of all time. Um, we can talk about that later. Um, some people think Transformers are the greatest toys of all time. Any Transformer people, you know. Uh, we had He-Man. Now, here's the deal with He-Man, okay? He-Man, I could play with He-Man at, like, my friend's house, but He-Man was not allowed at my house uh, growing up because we were way too spiritual at my house uh, growing up. So He-Man was not allowed in his crazy tiger, which I was like, I just want the tiger. Just give me the tiger, please, okay? Uh, Star Wars toys, anybody Star Wars toys, you know, that was that was huge. And then there was this thing called starting lineups when I was growing up, like basketball, football figures. But all of this, none of it compared to me to G.I. Joe, okay? G.I. Joe was the most amazing thing ever. Every Saturday, if I cleaned my bedroom and my grandpa would come and inspect my room, if that happened, we were going to Toys R Us, and I was getting a new G.I. Joe, a new vehicle, and I promise you, I had, like, everything but they had this massive seven-foot ship, okay? A seven-foot toy ship, and my grandparents wouldn't get it for me. I mean, I asked for that thing every stinking Christmas, and they would not give me the ship. Now, the other day, um, I'm at home <coughs> and not feeling well, and so I'm like, okay, what's, what's on Netflix? Anybody ever have that feeling like, what's on Netflix, and then you turn on Netflix, and you're like, why is the same things on Netflix? I mean, seriously, every time I go to Netflix, it's like the same stinking things. But this time, they had this documentary, and I'm a big documentary fan. They had a documentary on toys, and so I was like, this looks amazing, you know? And they had one on G.I. Joe. And so I was like, I am 
in. I mean, my kids are like screaming and crying. And I have no idea what's even going on. I'm like, I'm watching G.I. Joe right now. And so I'm watching G.I. Joe, and all of a sudden I start remembering, you know, all the guys and the figures and everything that I had. And let me make sure we all understand. They were not dolls. They were action figures, okay? We're not talking about dolls. We're talking about action figures, okay? So I'm in the car a couple days later, and I'm driving, and I remember these guys that I had named Zamax and Tomax, okay? They were Cobra guys, and they were twin guys. And so throw up that picture for me, okay? So this was Zamax and Tomax. And when I was a kid, I got this for Christmas, and I think I just lost my marbles. I mean, I just went nuts. These guys were the most amazing guys in the world. So the other day I'm driving, I'm like, man, it would be so cool to have, like, Zamax and Tomax again, you know? So all of a sudden the other day we're out looking for, at new buildings for the church, and we're next to this antique mall, and Ryan Wonderly calls me, and so I'm like, I'll jump into the antique mall and kind of, like, peruse the place as I'm on the phone with them. Like, I can multitask. I have, like, a thousand things going on at one time. So I'm walking through the antique mall, and all of a sudden I see this booth, and sure enough, what's there? G.I. Joe. And I'm just, like, trying to make sure that I keep the conversation going with, with Ryan. But in my heart, I am, like, bursting with joy and, like, so excited at that moment. I'm, like, trying not to tell Ryan about this. And all of a sudden, who do I find? Zamax and Tomax. And at this moment, I'm just like, I'm going to melt down. I am so excited right now. And I'm just like, it's my guys. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I get off the phone with Ryan. I go up to the front and I pay for it. I'm like, it's G.I. Joe. It's Zamax and Tomax. You know, and the guy's like, yeah, bro, whatever, man. You know what I mean? He's like a high schooler kid. He's just like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? And I'm just like so excited. And I get home and I pull out Zamax and Tomax and I'm like, this isn't Zamax and Tomax. I mean, it is Zamax and Tomax, but it doesn't really like, it's not like Zamax and Tomax. Like, I remember. So what do I do? I hop on uh, the internet. All of a sudden, I'm on Amazon. I'm on Google. Put that picture back up, okay? So I find, like, the original Zamax and Tomax in the original package with, like, the, like, little, you know, reflective thing because they were twins and because when one got hit, the other one felt it. So they, that's what they showed in the packaging. I know you're like, you are so so geeky right now, Pastor Jeff. I totally get it, okay? So I'm on, like, online. I'm looking at this, and, you know, my first one I find is, like, $800. And I'm like, if I was single, you know? And then the next one I find is, uh, I know you're like, the fact that you would even consider buying a $800 G.I. Joe tells me a lot about you. It really does. And so all of a sudden, I find another one. It's like $500. And I find another one. It's like $400. And I'm like legit, like I'm thinking about like shoes that I can sell like are up in my closet, you know. I'm like, you know, maybe I could do some extra work with John. Like I'm trying to figure out like how am I going to get the original Zamax and Tomax, and like I'm sitting there, and it's like probably you know, it's like probably 12 o'clock at night. I'm by myself, and I finally come to this place where I'm just like, What is wrong with me? You know, like there is something seriously wrong with me. Like, I'm considering spending $500 on Zamax and Tomax. You <laughs> take the picture down, and I realize the truth is this somewhere in my soul. Something said what? I need this. Why, though? I mean, 
I mean, I feel like I'm a compulsive gambler with, like, G.I. Joe guys, you know what I mean? Like, what's the reality? The reality is this, is that there's a part of me that yearns for when I was, like, seven, eight, nine years old. And the truth is this, the reason is because from age zero till 10, all I knew and understood about my life was peace and joy. My life was great. My parents split up when I was, you know, two to three-ish. But I grew up, my grandparents, they were my mom and dad. And I didn't think anything else other than that's my mom and dad and I really love my life and they take really good care of me and I get G.I. Joe's on Saturday. And I got to wear three-piece suits to church every Sunday. I don't understand that, but, you know. Um, but life from zero to ten was really peaceful. But then from ten to nineteen... I just consider it chaos. You know, a lot of you know this. My grandpa died on my 11th birthday from cancer. My grandma died a year and a half later. She had a stroke in my arms, and she died about 24 hours later. Um, my youth pastor uh, also got Hodgkin's disease, and he died. Um, one of my best friends got uh, cancer in his lungs. He died. Um, went to five different schools. Uh, Went from my grandparents' house to my mom's house, from my mom's house to my aunt and uncle's house. Just chaos. Zero to 19. You know? What was the enemy trying to do? Steal, kill, destroy. It's his plan, right? And I was going through it. So there's a part of me that will forever go, miss those days. I don't really care that much about Zamax and Tomax. I just care about how I felt when I was that age. Because I felt a lot of peace. I felt a lot of joy. I felt a lot of security. I felt a lot of strength. And all of a sudden, it was gone. My life was on a crazy train and the reality is this, how I view God changed quickly at the age of 10 and, and through my, you know, developmental years, all of a sudden I started thinking like, you know, God takes, I can't trust God, um, I better get what I can get before God takes it, I'm angry, I'm fearful. These are my thoughts about God. And then, you know, the thought about the nature of God starts to change during those years, right? Because all of a sudden you start going through some things. And I know that my story is just my story. You have your story and you have your moments and you have your times in your life where chaos and your life fell apart. And all of a sudden your view of God's nature and character changed. And all of a sudden I started thinking, you know, you know, obviously God doesn't heal because we brought my grandpa up on stage and we prayed over him and the elders came up and they prayed over him and but he didn't get any better, and he died, and so now I just think, you know, God doesn't heal, and this isn't what God does, and, you know, God left me alone, and God abandoned me, and this is obviously the nature of God, and all of a sudden, I start seeing myself in Jesus warped, because all of a sudden, I'm 10, and my world's in chaos, and from 10 to 19, I just start trying to figure out ways to fill my soul, so if that's a relationship with some random girl, if that's a party, if that's a whatever. I'm just trying to figure out ways to make my soul okay. But all of a sudden, now I'm in sin, and because now I'm in sin, I think God really hates me. 
I really don't understand righteousness. I really think that, you know, God is super distant from me. And all of a sudden, I'm in this place that I would call a stronghold. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about strongholds. Because this is the enemy's goal. The enemy's goal and desire and purpose is to get you into a place that he has control over how you view God, how you view the nature and the character of God, and so he can control your life. So go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're look at verses 3 through 4. It says this, we are human, but we don't war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. Oh, my gosh, that, whoa, whoa, that came out funky. <laughs> Woo! Jesus' name, help me. It says this, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning to destroy false arguments. The Amplified Version says this, for we walk in the flesh not as mortal men. We're not using these things to carry out our spiritual warfare according to the flesh using weapons of man. So what is... The Bible talking about it's talking about, listen, we're warring against the enemy for our soul. And I don't think this ever ends. You know, I really thought, I mean, honestly, I probably 10 years ago, I, I probably thought, you know, when I get into my mid-30s, I'm not going to war the same way as I did in my 20s. I wish I could tell you it's different. The enemy doesn't like me. The enemy doesn't like you. His purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy no matter what season of life you're in. Until you cross over and see Jesus face to face, he's, he's got a purpose. And so the Bible's talking about we're not warring in the physical, but we're warring in the spiritual. Galatians uh, says this, that we are in a constant fight, a war for our soul between right and wrong. goes on in verse 5 to say this. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps us from knowing God, okay? We capture these rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So what is a stronghold? It's two main things. And the Greek biblical term for a stronghold means this, a strong wall, a fortress, so if you look into biblical times, when a city wanted to be uh, safe, they would build a fortress around them. They would build a massive wall around their city to keep the enemy out. They were fortified inside of their walls and inside of their city, okay? So this is what a biblical stronghold is, but it's also this, a false argument in which a person seeks shelter, a safe place to escape reality. A shelter, a place to escape the realities of this world, to get away from things. I wrote this down. A stronghold in the mind is a spiritual fortress made of wrong thoughts, lies, lies that come from the enemy. A fortified dwelling place where demonic forces can hide and operate in power against us. The ideas and thoughts that we make up in strongholds are based solely 100% in lies from the enemy, okay? So what were the strongholds, the lies that I was buying into during age 10 to 19? 
God takes. Can't trust God. Better get it before God takes it. Anger, fear. All these things are contradicting the nature and the character of who God is. Right? And all of a sudden, I'm living in a stronghold about how I see God and how I see myself in this relationship with God. It goes on to say it's a shelter, safe place to escape reality. A shelter from what? From our problems and our reality. So guess what? We build a safe place in which what? We are in control, right? We're all doing this all the time. We're trying to build a, an arena, a place, a place in our home, you know, a man cave, a place at the office, somewhere that we can be safe from our problems, from our reality, and we can escape life. And we escape life typically through some form of addiction. I mean, the reality is this, you know, sometimes we use alcohol to escape reality. That's got to get a drink. It's the only way that relaxes me. Trying to escape my world, or sometimes we escape it through food. I know I do. I mean, long day, and it's 11 o'clock, and I'm like, where's little Debbie? I, I mean, come on. <laughs> she, little Debbie, man, me and her go back. I mean, we go, I mean, I, I promise you, man, when life was tough growing up, we lived by this gas station called Royal Ranger, the Royal Ranger, okay? And we would walk down to Royal Ranger, and do you remember when, like, you could, like, get a Sprite, and, like, underneath the cap, it would tell you that you won another Sprite? I won, like, 32 free Sprites in a row. I was like, I'm the greatest Sprite man ever, you know? But I remember, I, like, I, I literally, like, days were hard. Man, I'm going to get a Mountain Dew. I'm going to get some Doritos. I am going to get, you know, some Little Debbie, some Swiss cake rolls. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for Swiss cake rolls, you know. See, we can use anything in life to escape reality. We can use Netflix. We can use Facebook. We can use work. I know people that are workaholics. We got people who their hobbies are their way to escape life. Sports is a way to escape life. We're all looking for a way to escape reality. We're trying to create these little pockets, these little moments in our world that we can run and we can hide. We can get away from everything. You know, Christians, Christians do this all the time. This is how Christians do it. We're so fearful of the world and what's in the world that we're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to shelter my kids. I don't want them to touch the world. I don't want them to see the world. I don't want them to be a part of the world. Why? Because it's a stronghold of fear. I'm pretty confident that Jesus said that we overcome the world through him. So I can either teach my kid to be an overcomer or I can teach my kid to have a stronghold of fear and run from the world. We have to decide. You know, Michael, he had a basketball game the other night, and the first half, I mean, I know my son, and I know when he's not mentally there. In the first half, I could just tell he was, he was somewhere else, and all of a sudden, you know, I had one of those dad moments where I was way too loud, probably a very LeVar Ballish moment, and, uh, you know, and uh, embarrassed my wife and my family and everybody else. But second half, he came out and, you know, ripped off like 14 points in the third quarter, and I was like, yeah, that's my son, you know. So me and him, we're in the car, we're driving home, 
I'm like, what was going on in the first half? And it was kind of quiet. He's like, I don't know. I just wasn't there. My mind wasn't there. I'm like, what was going on? He goes, Dad, there was a, there was a transgender man sitting on the front row. I was like, yeah, there was. I talked to him. He had a very deep voice. <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I mean, he had pink hair. And, I mean, I talked to him. He's, I was like, well, what was bothering you? He goes, I just feel it in my spirit, Dad, that that just doesn't, Jesus isn't happy. Like, that's not the life that God has for him. 12-year-old boy. And at that moment, I had to make a decision. Am I going to build a stronghold in his life about how we view people of this world? And so I said, son, listen, I need you to understand something. You know as well as I do. I don't agree with the way they live their life. We don't agree with what we consider sin. But I said, Michael, it's our job to love them like Jesus would love them. And if Jesus was here, just like when Jesus was at the, at the well with the woman, he wasn't intimidated. He wasn't scared. He wasn't in fear because she had sin or she was living life in a different way. I said, Michael, we're going to love people. And we're going to love people the way Jesus would love people. I'm not going to build a stronghold in my son of judgment and fear of something that he doesn't understand and doesn't get. I'm going to teach my son how to love as Jesus would love. See, strongholds can really come from anything. It can come from a childhood situation. It can come from somebody feeding us a wrong truth or wrong understanding about the nature and the character of God. But it can really, truly come from anywhere. Where's, where's Matt Brown? Matt Brown, come here real quick. Yeah, come on. Come on. Uh, Matt Brown's going to come up. I'm going to show you something really quick. Guys, you, you ready? Yeah, let's do this. Look, I got my, I got my crew. I got my crew. Come here, Matt. Okay. So let's take my man, Matt Brown. Give it up for Matt Brown, everybody. Looking <laughs> sharp and dapper today. Okay, Matt, you're going to stand right here. Okay. All right, come on over. So we got Matt Brown. And let's say Matt Brown, you know, kind of like, like I was talking about, has lived his life, and, and all of a sudden, the enemy has brought some moments into his life that weren't great. And all of a sudden, the nature and the character of God is quickly changing, okay? And all of a sudden, Matt Brown, unbeknownst to him, because remember we talked about this last week? We talked about when I severed the vine, you remember when I severed the, the branch last week from the vine and I talked about that that branch is going to die, but it's going to die slowly, correct? When you sever something from a tree, it still has life in it, and it's going to take some time for it to eventually die, but it's going to eventually die. Listen, the same thing happens with strongholds. When the enemy brings a lie, he brings a lie in brick by brick. Okay? He brings a false truth in brick by brick. Okay? And it doesn't happen overnight. You don't wake up one day going, hey, I have this stronghold of fear. I have this stronghold 
of doubt or I have this stronghold that God takes or I have this stronghold that God, you know, doesn't heal or I have this stronghold that God isn't faithful or I have this stronghold about God's nature that is different, that's just something that happened overnight. No, it happens brick by brick, moment by moment. And the reality is this, as the walls are being built around us to trap us, because remember, that's what a stronghold is. Remember a city, we'd build a stronghold, we'd build a wall around the city to protect us and put us in. The same thing happens in our life with the Lord, okay? So when, when the enemy is building his walls, it's slowly, we don't always understand what's happening, he's taking time. But what is he doing? This wall is going to stand in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Keep going. Keep going. I ain't got no fear in me. Are we good? Wall keeps going. Brick by brick. All of a sudden, we're like, where's Matt? <laughs> See, what's interesting about the stronghold is eventually, you know, we're just building a wall in front of Matt, but the truth is that the lies build a wall around us. And all of a sudden, all we know is the stronghold. All we know, that's good, guys. All we know is what? We're good. All we know is that I'm stuck, right? I'm walled in. And here, is there, is there much, when you get close to the wall, is there much light coming into the wall? Yeah, yeah. See, Matt said no. So, so when a stronghold is built, what happens, okay? Light and truth and understanding can't get in. This is why people go to church every weekend, hear the truth of the word of God, and it does absolutely nothing. Why? Because the enemy has walled them in. Lie by lie, brick by brick. The word's good. The word of God is always good. The word of God is always full of life. The word of God always brings us into freedom. But when we're in a stronghold, when we're stuck behind the walls, the light and the truth and the knowledge and the wisdom of God has a really, really hard time penetrating into our souls because we're stuck. And when what happens when there is no light, no truth, no understanding getting through because of all the lies that are knocking this away, all of a sudden, this is what Romans chapter 1, verse 21 says. Yes, they knew God, but wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they became, they, uh, and they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. I'm always dealing with this. Always. All of us in this room, if, if I lined every single one of us up in this room and said, hey, tell me what you think about the goodness of God. I promise you, we would get 150 different perspectives, right? And most of them, I'm not being mean, 
but most of them would not be biblically based at all. They would be based on what happened in your life. Do you know how hard it is sometimes to pray for healing when you watch your dad die of cancer? So I either choose the stronghold that the enemy put in my life or I choose the word of God. Either it's truth or it's not truth. So when we get these ideas of what God is like, most of the time they're not even based upon the word of God. It says this, as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, instead they become utter fools. Instead of worshiping the glorious, everlasting God, they worship idols that look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Verse 25 says this, they traded the truth about God for a lie. Traded the truth about God for a lie. This happens all the time. The enemy comes with his lies. He comes with his perspectives. He comes and he takes what happens in life and twists it. Listen, you need to understand this. The enemy is the prince, the king of this world. Why are people sick? Because of the enemy. It sure ain't God. Because in the kingdom of God, nobody's sick. So I know what his nature is like because I can see heaven. In heaven, there's nobody sick in heaven. There's nobody fearful in heaven. There's nobody crying in heaven. There's perfect peace in heaven. There's perfect joy in heaven. There's perfect life in heaven. So when I see something that is contrary to the nature of God, I go, no, 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 no. That is not God, and I'm not going to allow people to blame God for this. I'm not going to allow people to go, oh, he got cancer so that he could get closer to God. No, come on. He got cancer because he got an enemy that hates him that's coming to steal, kill, and destroy and to remove his life off the face of the earth so that he cannot fulfill the purposes and the plans that God has for him. That's why. So we either are rooted in truth, rooted in the word, in the truth of the Bible, or we're walled in by strongholds. Strongholds that go, you can't trust God. Matt, you can come on now. Give it up for Matt Brown, everybody. Thank you. Matt's like, hey, how's everybody doing? I'm back. It's like back to the future. So how do we overcome strongholds? Three things real quick. Number one is this. Number one is this. Humble yourself. I was about to do a Kendrick Lamar moment right there. And I was like, eh. 1 Peter chapter 5, 5 through 9. It says this, God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God is attracted to humble people. God is attracted to people that go, God, I don't got it all together. That's me all the time. All the time, I'm like, God, I just, I'm so sorry. I don't have it all together. I'm not the dad. I'm not the husband. I'm not the person I always want to be. Verse 6, so humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up. Verse 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. You know where a lot of strongholds come from? 
worry. Worry. See, when you open up the door of worry, you're opening up the enemy, a door to the enemy. You're like, hey, come on in. Just, just sitting here and worry. Just wondering if I'm going to get fired. Just wondering if I'm going to have enough money for retirement. Just wondering about my bank account. Just wondering when am I going to get that raise. Just wondering about my career. Just wondering about when am I going to find Mr. and Mrs. Wright. Just wondering, worry, worry, worry. And all of a sudden we open up the door for the enemy to come in and bring strongholds. And the enemy goes, yeah, you might not get married. God might not have Mr. Wright for you. I know you're working hard, but I don't know if God's really that good. I know Bob got a raise, but I don't know if you're really that good enough to get a raise. Strongholds. Verse 8 says, stay alert. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Listen, the Bible doesn't say that he does devour, but he's looking for somebody to devour. If you look at like a pack of lions, they're never looking for the strong ones that are connected in a group or a body. They're looking for the ones that are off alone by themselves and, and weak. That's why there's power in a church. That's why there's power in community. That's why there's power in relationship. When you have relationship with one another, you are unifying yourself together so that when you have a moment of weakness, you have a moment where the enemy's beating your brains in, you go, hey, um, I just want to let you know what's going on in my life. And they go, man, that's not God. That's not what the word says. And all of a sudden there's protection there. It says this, stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Point number one, humble yourself. God is super mighty and powerful. Point number two is this, the Bible, your sword. The Bible, your sword. I worked at Living Word Church up in uh, Dayton, Ohio. And I remember one day we're like cleaning out this like cubby area uh, with the interns. And all of a sudden we find this box. And on it, it says lost swords. And I'm like, cool, there's swords in here. You know what I mean? Like 12-year-old boy, like let's cut something, you know. And all of a sudden, I open up, we open up the box, and it's a box of Bibles. And I just, I mean, I just cried in laughter for, like, a very long time. I'm like, this is amazing. You know, somebody really believes this, you know. But the truth is this. The Bible says the word of God is our sword. It's our weapon against what? The lies of the enemy. So if you're dealing with anger, do this. Go to Google and say, what does the Bible say about anger? If you're dealing with pride, what does the Bible say about pride? I promise you, it will open up link after link after link that is chock full of verse after verse after verse. And you look through those verses and you go, what is my verse? So when I had the thought, the stronghold God takes, I had to go to the word. What does the word say? John 3.16, it says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his only son. Oh, so the nature and the character of God is that he's a giver. Because I'm pretty sure I wouldn't give my son for you. But God gave his son, his very best for us. So the nature and the character of God is a giver, not a taker. You ever hear that song on the radio where like, God gives and takes away. I'm like, God gives and he gives. That's what I say all the time. I never say God takes away because I don't believe it. God's a giver. 
That's the nature and the character of the God that I see in the Bible. There was never one time in the New Testament that somebody came to Jesus and he took something away from them. Not one. You can't prove it to me in the Bible. Every single time somebody came to Jesus in the New Testament, what did Jesus do? He gave life to them. And he only did what, what the Father told him to do. So what does that tell me? The nature and the character of Jesus and the nature and the character of God the Father is what? To give. He is a giver. James 1.17 says, whatever good and perfect gift comes down to us from our God, our Father, who created the lights in the heavens. For this, it says this, he never changes like shifting shadows. So every good and perfect thing comes from what? My God who gives, who doesn't change. His nature and his character is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So all of a sudden, I can start taking off that brick, right? That's a lie. I'm done with that one. Correct? Can't trust God? Man, that's a lie. Let me take that thing off. All of a sudden, the word of God starts what? Dismantling the lies of the enemy, Right? Now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, there's, there's life beyond this wall. There's life beyond this stronghold. There's truth out there. I haven't been able to get it, but all of a sudden the word came alive and I used the word and all of a sudden I got to take a brick off and all of a sudden now I'm seeing Jesus in a different way. Number three, last thing is this, worship. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Psalms chapter 22, verse 3 says this. But you are holy, you who inhabit the praises of Israel. Another version says, you who inhabit the praises of your people. Listen, humble yourself, get the word of God in you, and start worshiping. Listen, there, there is something so magnificently powerful about worship. When you worship, and guys, can I be real? Can, men, can we, can we just talk for a second? I want to talk to the men, okay? There is something powerful about men humbling themselves and opening up your mouth and singing when your voice sucks as bad as my voice sucks, okay? Let's just, let's just be real, okay? There's a reason I don't sing on Sunday but there is something powerful about you worshiping. You know where I learned to worship? I watched my grandpa do it. Watch my grandpa do it. I didn't care about the people on stage. I cared about the person who I trust. And he would... My grandpa was from a, a different generation, a tough generation. He grew up through the Great Depression. And for me to see him humble himself, raise his hands, worship Jesus, it's powerful. So much power when we humble ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't, I don't got it all figured out. I need you. 
I need your grace. I need your strength. I need you because I am stuck. I am stuck, Lord. And I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to be stuck to addiction. I don't want to be stuck to trying to escape reality every day. I don't want to be stuck behind lies and things that the enemy has brought up in my life. I want to live life, and I want it to be full, because this is what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. He said he came to bring life and life to the full. So we are called to be people who are living life with joy. We're called to be people who are living life with peace. We're called to be people who are laughing and joyful and loving and caring and kind and humble that's what we're called to be and when we get out behind the walls of this stuff and we start living the life we're called to live all of a sudden people go i want that i need that i need what real joy looks like i need to know what real happiness looks like i need to know that there's somebody else out there that's not running and hiding all the time i need to know that there's somebody out there who has overcome addiction i need to know that there's somebody out there that knows what i'm going through but's gotten to the other side and who's that supposed to be us in here today that's what god's called us to be overcomers overcomers you are called to be an overcomer in this life Jesus believes in you. Amen? Would you stand this morning? That's what I want to do, okay? We're all next to somebody, okay? Typically, we sit next to people we like, you know? Don't you never notice that about church? Like, you're like, oh, I like you. I think I'll sit next to you. You know what I mean? So we're pretty much sitting next to somebody we know or typically like. So this is what I want to do this morning, okay? We're all struggling. Can we just be honest for a second? All of us are struggling. We all have lies that the enemy has brought into our life, strongholds. Wouldn't it be nice to get out of those things? Right? So this is what I want to do. First on your right or your left, I want you to tell them one thing that you need prayer for. Really quick. That's called humbling yourself. Tell them real quick. 30 seconds. Go. Tell them one thing. Okay, so this is what we're going to do now. Dave. Anybody by themselves? You're by yourself. Anybody by yourself? Ryan's by himself. So this is what I want to do. Take one minute. We're going to pray for that person. Okay? Prayer moves God. Prayer moves heaven. Prayer is effective. God's listening today. And I promise you, God wants to help. God wants to love you. God wants you to succeed. So let's take one minute and let's pray for that person real quick. Look at that person. Let's pray for each other really quick.
All right, so this is what we're going to do now, okay? Sometimes we humble ourselves. It's a good place to be in life. We humble ourselves to one another. We humble ourselves before the Lord. Your job this week is to get the Word of God. Got to get the Word of God. You will not win these fights without the Word of God. The Word of God is your strength. Your Word of God is what gives you hope. The Word of God gives you courage. The Word of God. But then what do we do? We worship. Worship. So, come on, throw your hands up. Start worshiping from your heart. Start praising Jesus. Glorify Him. Magnify you, Jesus. We lift you and you alone. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the life we find in you. Thank you for grace. Thank you for being so faithful. Thank you that your mercies are new for us every day, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. We worship you. All right, now this is what we're going to do. We're going to sing that song we sang at the very beginning. It's called Glory to Glory. You're like, what is glory to glory? It's God doing exactly what I just taught about today. He takes us from glory to glory, from strength to strength, life to life, victory to victory. Amen? That's his desire for you. Life to life, victory to victory, strength to strength, grace to grace, glory to glory. I go from one glory to the next glory to the next to the next because my God is good. My God is good. That's his nature. That's his character. That's who he is. And so I trust him with that. Amen? Hey, real quick, I got to do this before we sing that song. Come here, Hayden. I forgot about this. <laughs> I love you so much. Listen, Hayden broke his hand a couple weeks ago, uh, had surgery, and uh, it's a really, really big deal. Hayden is a phenomenal musician, phenomenal. Drums, keys, guitar, and uh, he's got to be able to close his hand to play music. And right now he can't do that because there's a metal plate in his hand. But we're going to believe in the name of Jesus that he's going to be able to close his hand and he's going to be able to continue to worship the Lord. Amen? So come on, throw your hands forward. We're going to pray over his hand. Father, we thank you for Hayden. We love him so much. He is a son in the Lord to us, and we are so grateful to have him here. We are so proud of him. And we know, God, you love him, and you're proud of him. You are well pleased with him. So, Father, we stand boldly before your throne, and we ask in the name of Jesus for your healing power to flow from heaven into his hand, into the ligaments in Jesus' name. We command his hand to be able to close in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, the acts that you went around healing all who were sick and oppressed by the enemy. So we thank you 
that this oppression by the enemy must go in Jesus' name. We release healing into this hand in Jesus' name. We release strength into this hand. We declare in the name of Jesus that he will play music again. He will worship you again with these hands. He will in Jesus' name. We rebuke every plan and weapon the enemy has for his hand of arthritis, of pain, and we bind it in Jesus' name. We release your life in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody agrees, said? Amen.